from the nation's capital and the military district of Washington. Today's colors will be presented by the Armed Forces Color Guard and Drummers and the President's own United States Marine Band. Please welcome, on behalf of the NAD, ASL performer and Academy Award winner, Troy Kotzer. To honor America with the performance of the National Anthem, eight-time Grammy Award winner, Chris Stapleton. Tune in live this Wednesday, February 28th, 2024, on the one and only Republic Broadcasting Network. Uh, one more day in this leap year month uh, of the Gregorian calendar, so that's interesting. And uh, patriotic intro, sort of, you know, one has to have mixed feelings about these things, knowing certain things. Uh, you know, the introduction, including the uh, Armed Forces Color Guard, that's interesting. I've talked about how um, the NFL has unabashedly 
been uh, part of the propaganda front, um, propagandizing the American people for the military shamelessly. You know, that PBS article that I've mentioned many times, for example, you know, the picture, thank you veterans, with red, white, and blue, you know, in the background there in the stadium. And uh, the article titled, Report Defense Department Paid NFL Millions of Taxpayer Dollars to Salute Troops. So this whole bowing the knee, you know, bending the knee controversy, I think it was manufactured. I think it was a PSYOP as part of... um, a broader effort to get us all to bend the knee. And, uh, you know, if America ever was a Christian nation or, you know, proper, proper context is not that it's a Christian nation. In other words, it's not Christian nationalism and dominionism and all of that. But, you know, a nation uh, comprised predominantly of, of God-fearing people Bible-believing people, uh, then no one bends the knee to anyone but Jesus Christ alone because the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, a time is coming. That's not my job. That's not your job. That's, you know, above our pay grade, as they say. That's, you know, that's for him to uh, to do or whatever, however you want to say it. It's not for us. That would be dominionism, and that's not good. But it is interesting how there is a militancy, a growing militancy in America. You know, a, a national, socialist, fascist, Marxist, uh, Bolshevik, stew, a cauldron that is, I think, about to boil over. I want to give you a little bit of um, kind of a background on this, what exactly I'm talking about. Uh, You know, the people who formed the problem always describe it best, and I think that Mises was among the crowd who uh, was really... they They were masterful at the scientific refinement of the problem. We have false sides everywhere. The technique of infamy at work. So maybe we can listen to Professor Thomas DiLorenzo uh, drawing first from Mises' book, Socialism and Economic and Social Sociological Analysis. Can we play that, please? I'm going to read just a few quotes from the book Socialism, first published in English in 1936. Socialism is not the pioneer of a better and finer world, but the spoiler of what thousands of years of civilization have created. It does not build, it destroys, for destruction is the essence of it. It produces nothing. It only consumes what the social order based on private ownership in the means of production has created. Each step leading towards socialism must must exhaust itself in the destruction of what already exists. That was also there was always a two pronged strategy by the socialists. One, destroy the existing institutions of society and then build their utopia. Step two, whatever the utopia might be. 
then he said something that reminded me a lot of Sweden and Venezuela. He said this, progressive capital formation is the only means by which the position of the great masses can be permanently improved. Socialism and destructionism propose to use up capital so as to achieve present wealth at the expense of the future. The policy of destructionism is the policy of the spendthrift who dissipates his inheritance regardless of the future. And, uh, you know, the story of Sweden is that there was a great... Uh, high economic liberty society in the late 19th, early 20th century. They had all these great entrepreneurs that had created Volvo, uh, you know, automobiles and, and, and all companies like that, Saab and, and many others. And then when they adopted their version of socialism in the 1950s, they basically started eating up their capital and living off the efforts of previous generations until by the 1980s, they had 500% interest rates. And they've been trying to escape from that ever since. And of course, Venezuela, the exact same thing. One of the wealthiest countries in Latin America for, for a long, long time. They adopted socialism uh, basically in the 50s also. And uh, each president that they elected since then, they adopted democracy in 1958, uh, I, I think of as a, a bigger Castro-loving communist than the last guy. And look at what has happened to them. So they lived off the capital of the previous generation. A third quote from Mises. He said, for Karl Marx, quote, all politics was only the continuation of war by other means. The socialist parties who have taken the Marxist parties for their model have elaborated the technique of agitation, the caging for votes and for souls, the stirring up of electoral excitement, the street demonstrations, and the terrorism. And this reminds me of, I wrote notes here, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Democratic Socialists of America, the, the, the muddle-headed, babbling students who set buildings on fire and scream in the faces of conservatives or, or libertarians who show up at places like Berkeley to give an invited lecture. Uh, that, that's, you know, nothing new, nothing new. Mises uh, observed that. He made a comment also on uh, the fake news of his day. He said this, the, the literati are recruiting agents for socialism. Since socialism must destroy society, and they are paving the way for destructionism, the literati. He also made a comment that I put in the politically correct category of commentary. He said this, Peoples which have hailed with great enthusiasm writings which call for the destruction of all cultural values are themselves on the verge of a great social catastrophe. So he was criticizing what today we would call political correctness. And then he uh, sort of concludes that our whole life is so given over to destructionism that one can name hardly a field into which it has not penetrated. Social art, he put quotation marks over social. Social art preaches it, schools teach it, the churches disseminate it. And so that's destructionism. And of course, he talks about the methods. You know, he, he says, I'm going to have a, a, a brief discussion of some of the methods of, of uh, destructionism. And this is 1922. Labor legislation, compulsory social insurance, uh, unemployment insurance, nationalization, taxation, and inflation is what he writes about. And of course, in his day, uh, he was uh, also commenting on, if you look at um, the Communist Manifesto, 
which I use in a class. I have a class I teach called Capitalism and Its Critics. And I have, I've had students read the Communist Manifesto and, and then the works by social, of socialism, the book Socialism, and go back and forth, the good guys and the bad guys uh, read this. And one of my students told me, you know, this is the fourth time I've been assigned the Communist Manifesto, but, <laughs> but, but th this is the first time it wasn't looked at as a roadmap to the future. <laughs> it was very, very different. And it's a true story. That's, that's, a, that's a, absolutely true. And the same student once told me, I didn't know there were, I had no idea there were different schools of thought in economics. I, I thought it was all a system of equations, mathematical equations. Yeah, this is a junior economics major who told me that. And of course, if you look at the Kami Manifesto, it's, it's a manifesto for how to destroy the existing capitalist society. Plank number one, abolition of private property. Plank number two, uh, this is a direct quote, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Number three, abolition of all rights of inheritance. That's another attack on private property. Number four is confiscation of land of those who speak out against the government. That's a direct quote from the Commie Manifesto. So that's a, that's a twofer. That's a destruction of private property and a destruction of free speech at the same time. Number five, centralization of credit in the hands of the state. So, you know, I put, I have a little picture, it says uh, Greenspan, Bernanke, and in the, in the margin over here. <coughs> I gave a talk <coughs> at the Cato Institute many years ago on the 100th anniversary of the Sherman Antitrust Act. And I, for some reason, Alan Greenspan came up, and I remember mentioning that uh, I read one of Greenspan's old articles on antitrust from one of his Ayn Rand days, and, uh, and I commented that, uh, well, that's before he became a central planner. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, some of the people at Cato had a big sourpuss looks on their face when I said that. They didn't, they didn't want people to think of the Fed as a central planning agency, of God, for God's sake. You know, uh, <clears throat> centralization of communication and transportation, nationalization of all land and capital, and my favorite, free education in government schools. So that was that was the recipe for destructionism, Misesian destructionism in the Communist Manifesto, which he was talking about. And of course, in our day, it's a little different. Uh, the, 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 the methods of destructionism, we've, you know, we've, we've adopted all these things. It's all, you know, in, in the United States, we've got every one of these things. Uh, uh, to some extent, uh, we've adopted them. But we're going even further today, well, much further today. And uh, you know that today's Marxists, the ones that are most influential, go by the name of cultural Marxists. A little different, different variety of Marxism. <clears throat> and uh, as I've said before, after the worldwide collapse of socialism in the late 80s and early 90s, there was a, a conundrum among the Marxists. Uh, what are we going to do now? Uh, some of them became what I call watermelons, green on the outside, red on the inside, environmentalists, <clears throat> and decided to try to destroy capitalism in the, in the name of the worms and the bugs and the snakes and, and you know, Mother Nature and all that sort of thing. <clears throat> and uh, the old class conflict theory didn't fly because the working class never wanted to uh, engage in a bloody revolution and take over the factories. They just wanted a pay raise and better working conditions. And so the Marxists of the day were very upset that uh, the working class never bought into this. <clears throat> so what do we do? Well, they set up a different type of class struggle. It's no longer the capitalist class and the, and the working class. Now it's the oppressor class and the oppressed class. And basically the oppressors are white heterosexual males and the oppressed is everybody else <laughs> in, in, in the literature. And the goal 
So because the failure of the working class to, to overthrow capitalism, uh, the goal now is the destruction of Western culture, because some of the theorists, people like uh, Antonio Gramsci, the Italian Marxist, and uh, George Lukács, his real name is uh, Georgi, but I'll call him George uh, Lukács, they, they needed a change of strategy. And their theory was that the reason why the working class did not embrace uh, Marxist revolutions was that Western culture and Christianity blinded them to the Marxist truth. They claimed that the combination of Western culture, which of course would include classical liberalism, the philosophy of classical liberalism, and the institutions of capitalism themselves, and Christianity, created what uh, Lukács called a hegemonic power which maintains the uh, consent to the capitalist order. So he said the, the working class was too attached to Western culture and too attached to Christianity to, to be able to be convinced into destroying the capitalist order. Therefore, we must destroy Western culture and destroy Christianity. And uh, otherwise, we will never be, have, be able to have our uh, cultural revolution. And uh, you know, one good thing that Mussolini did is he imprisoned Gramsci. He sent him in, you know, so he said, give him a, a hat, hat tip, a hat tip to Benito Mussolini uh, for, for doing that after he started saying things like this. You know. And, of course, Gramsci is known for, uh, uh, you know, Western culture and Christianity must be destroyed by a long march through the institutions of schools, media, churches, entertainment industry, etc., and you know, so, you know I, be, I began noticing this, the, the real success that the Gramskyites and the, the cultural Marxists were having in the 1980s when that great uh, intellectual giant Jesse Jackson led, a, uh, <laughs> led, led a, a, a group of chanting, 500 or so chanting students at Stanford. They were chanting, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western cultures, Western civ has got to go. At the time, uh, Stanford University was teaching a course in Western civilization, and they wanted to get rid of it, which they did, which they did. They got rid of it, and they replaced it with a course uh, called Race, Class, and Gender Studies. And so they succeeded in that. Around the same time, uh, there was a wealthy oil family from Texas, the Bass family, gave $20 million, $20 million to Yale University, which, which was sort of the family alma mater uh, there, and to endow some professorships and teaching various aspects of uh, Western civilization at Yale. And the faculty, not, not every single faculty member, but a, a big Proportion, a big portion of the faculty revolted against this and ended up they had to give the money back. They gave $20 million back. And, and at the time, it was the biggest donation ever in the history of Yale University, biggest private donation. So, so if there are any uh, members of the Bass family watching, you know, I'm looking at the, they're on the internet, uh, uh, send the money to the Mises Institute. We, 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 uh, if they're out there on the internet. So, we will have we will have a uh, degree granting program in all aspects of Western civilization, if you like. <laughs> we, we could do that with twenty million dollars. Okay, so yeah, so Stanford uh, replaced that. They gave the money back at Yale. The, the Yale faculty commend, uh, con condemned the, this proposal as uh, it was quote dead white European male academic agenda. And so they called for more multi. We, what we need is more multicultural studies. They said, and uh, you know, for those of you who are not familiar, too familiar with the multiculturalism in the academic context, 
it doesn't mean what you think it means. It means hiring socialists of different cultures, uh, an Asian socialist, an African socialist, you know, different cultures, an Indian socialist. So as long as the faculty are all socialists, we want them to be from different cultures. That's what, there you go. what multiculturalism think, means in the academic. I think we're headed into a break, right? Stick around, folks. We'll be right back after this short break. Consider this. Dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead. Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier. Look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. We talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air and 30 years in this profession. Fifth, don't allow naysayers to divert your interest. Allow yourself the right to protect your interests as you see fit. Jeff Bennett here. One of the ways you can do that is to contact Kettle Moraine Limited. Contact me by calling or texting me at 602-799-8214. 602-799-8214. You can also email me at kettlemoraineltd at cox.net. Let me help you protect your wealth and your family today. Once again, call or text us at 602-799-8214 or visit our website, sierramadrepreciousmetals.com. Be glad to help you out. Be glad to answer your questions. That's what we're here for. No pressure. Just good, hard, common sense. The decision then becomes up to you. Go to republicbroadcasting.org. Smash that donate button like Russian peacekeepers smashing through the Azov neo-Nazi terrorists in the Donbass. I don't think you can explain politics without looking at Jewish power any more than you can explain physics without dealing with gravity. 9-11 was a jointly conducted covert operation that involved multiple states, the Saudis, the Israelis, and what you could call the deep state in the cool, United with States. anti-Semitic remarks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're jiggling juice, we used to say, the, uh, the dancing Israelis. Uh, so even the Republicans now are compromising and they're pushing issues that are destructive to the white race. They would always say, like, are we just going to talk about this stuff on the radio? Like, what are we going to do about it? Either we force the democracy to work by actually getting the ballot access, getting the candidates, getting in office, getting our message out there to the people, or we expose just how undemocratic it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central.
Welcome back. So what is the utopia Di Lorenzo was referring to there as he was reading Mises? You know, this stuff uh, was written about 100 years ago. And there are new, you know, there's, you know, like Bernays says, new, new efforts require new nomenclature, and that's happened a variety of times, but it's the same plan. And um, I feel like this is going to be a controversial year. Um, it's already, I think it's already been a controversial year. I'm going to say some things, some more things. I don't, I feel like I'm not winning friends and influencing people, which is fine uh, because it's not a PSYOP campaign. It's just an effort to tell the truth, and sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. Makes us feel uncomfortable. Sometimes we're confronted with the reality that maybe we weren't, haven't been playing on the side that we thought we were playing on. And so, you know, that's kind of a rude awakening. And... uh it, it is very disquieting to realize that. So I, I think I mentioned yesterday, um, I saw, you know, one of the things that's, that's kind of a point of discussion and controversy is, um, this emergent church stuff, new apostolic reformation, um, charismatic, you know, ecumenical, very inclusive kind of stuff. And there are, there are these different campaigns that are sort of coalescing and merging. And one of the guys that is, um, one of the one of the prominent figures in that is uh, Levi Lesko. Levi Lesko, um, and the Fresh Church crowd, you know. Um, and if you watch their promotional video, I mentioned it yesterday. They have their youth conference hosted by Pastor Levi Lesko. Um, this year, I think, is July twenty fifth to the twenty eighth, and the advertisement looks like. I don't know. looks like Burning Man. That's what I see. And so, you know, when you really start looking into this stuff, I mean, it's kind of, it looks like it's shaping up to, there, there are elements that are involved that make it look a lot like, um, I don't know, maybe Dave McGowan should be writing about this these days. If you remember the counterculture revolutionary music and the involvement of military types, military intelligence types in particular. And now, you know, uh, and, you know, and then the, the burning man connection there as well. There is a very religious component to this. And I think, you know, I'll get into this more later, but the uncomfortable reality is um, the higher you go in the, you know, military, let's say special 
operations community, the more fraternal it seems to get and the more the allegiance is to the brotherhood. Um, you know, if you profess Christianity, you profess to love the Lord and, um, you know, to be, you know, your allegiance is to him first and foremost, really alone, singularly. There seems to be a very competing interest there. And the allegiance, like many other things, unfortunately, uh, is more to, it behaves more like a Greek letter society or the Masonic Lodge than, you know, just a military organization. The allegiances to the Brotherhood. And, you know, that includes America. I mean, that's part of what I've been trying to point out. You know, there are Christian folks who believe they're good Christian folks who don't understand how their allegiance is divided and more uh, to, let's just say America, but really it's the humanistic impulse that undergirds America and has from our revolutionary founding and before to be, you know, back to what DiLorenzo was saying. What is the, what is the utopia that he was talking about? I'll mention that when we come back. All these things are bending into that. Stick around. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure pouty arco super tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. My name is John, the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. 
visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Health Simple with Colorado Shioji. Fact bit number one. What goes in must come out. Whatever we ingest, breathe in, or transfer by contact must be expelled. Expelled directly as burned calories, through perspiration, respiration, or expelled via urinary and gastric channels. Every element that is not properly used or removed by our bodies become toxins. And toxins, as we know, are causal to every disease and ailment. Toxins are what makes us subpar unable to be at our best. Be your healthy best by cleansing your body of daily and deeply embedded toxins. Live stronger, and we hope live longer. Shilajit, legit Shilajit, that is, like Colorado Shilajit, is perhaps the greatest homeopathic whole body remover of toxins made by Mother Earth. Look to the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. first hour of today's road warrior radio broadcast you know i feel like i've already not been winning friends and influencing people this year maybe influencing but not winning friends um sort of throwing mud in the eye of my country people want to say um well not not so much just trying to tell the truth you know and my alert my allegiance is to jesus christ alone above all everything else is a far distant second so you know some might say well that's radical i guess um the idea is that if i can find my way there and be single-minded in my allegiance to him then he will straighten out the crooked parts and everything else. And I believe, you know, not that I would desire any form of uh, dominionism. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But obviously, if I can... I guess, in simple terms, prevent bad things from befalling my countrymen, my family, and really people anywhere. Because the thing that gets lost in the dehumanization of one's perceived or alleged enemy is that they are people too, with families too. 
And I think far too often it's easy to get sucked into a mindset that overlooks the uncomfortable reality of things like that. And, you know, the fact that uh, far too often in the modern age, this brave new modern age, we are uh, the invaders, you know, um, the, the uncomfortable reality, you know, is, uh, if I say 2003 Iraq, what's the last word you finished the, you finished the thought there, 2003 Iraq, what, who were the invaders? Turns out the lie was not true. It was a lie. There was stovepiping of intelligence involved. The operation or the Office of Special Plans was created specifically to stovepipe intelligence. There were a lot of people who said, hold on, this doesn't, nah, I feel like I've heard this, you know, these kind of shenanigans before. Anyway, we seem to overlook that. So I don't want bad things to befall my countrymen or my family. Um, and so obviously, you know, the point in saying that is, I, I think that if you can allow the Lord to straighten out those crooked parts, then there is kind of a ripple effect. The same way that we see this, this discordant society unraveling or unfolding before our very eyes. You know, things are just sort of coming unraveled. And it's not difficult to see why. And looking back at the World War II generation, they didn't have any of these problems because they had not um, been infected by the plague. Freud allegedly disclosed to Young that they were bringing over from, you know, to this side of the pond from across the pond. So, you know, the story is, and I, I think it's interesting, you know, that as the story goes, you know, the George Washington pulled into New York Harbor. Were they looking at Lady Liberty as they were, you know, as Freud was saying this, was he looking at the new Colossus of Rhodes? I wonder with the seven rays on the crown. Anyway, Going into New York Harbor, he supposedly remarked to Carl Jung, who accompanied uh, Jung, or, uh, Freud on his one trip over, he allegedly remarked, they don't realize that we're bringing them the plague. So the World War II generation was not infected with this yet. They made it, I would say, through, you know, they they were the, and their parents certainly not, had made it through the generation that uh, was fairly or largely unscathed by this nonsense. And many of them only made it through the eighth grade. So they were so dumb, they could only run their local municipality and start businesses and, you know, stay married for life and things like that. They were, they were too dumb to be all cosmopolitan like we are now today. But 
since they weren't morbidly obsessed, self-obsessed, neurotically so, not realizing that basically the plague is this introspection is a, a an addiction and um, a kind of a disease in its own right that feeds on itself. And again, I'm reminded of Michael Tassarian's Children of Thanatos. I think the way that he spells out the problem is well said. You know, how can such an armored character recognize his own emotional plague? How can the self-poisoned man's thinking heal his society of its derangement? For all his efforts, this type may succeed only in increasing the world's problems. Given that such a do-gooder is deeply toxic in mind and body, isn't he likely to choose leaders who share his pathological state of being? Yikes. Think about the, the upcoming elections. Psychic, psychically mutilated people are completely incapable of seeing themselves as sick, headed, sick and wrong-headed. It's just not possible. I don't know about you, but I feel like I encounter these types every day. You put the truth in front of them and they absolutely cannot see it. it as simple as maybe, you know, here's an apple and they want to tell you it's a trolley car or something, you know, or it's not there. It's invisible. I don't see anything. I see a trolley car. I'm going to ride it. No, it's just an apple. It's simple. And they can't see it. It's frustrating. They're infected with this plague, the plague that uh, Freud brought across the pond. Anyway, the World War II generation was not infected with this plague. And they just went about their business. They were not morbidly preoccupied or self-obsessed. Didn't really talk about themselves at all. I don't know if you've had, you know, if you had the good fortune of spending time with this generation, these people, but in my experience, they were a model for a good life. And it was pretty simple in most cases. Those that I knew were not preoccupied with, you know, wealth or visions of grandeur or I have to, you know, my life has to matter Many of them did performed menial uh, tasks and, you know, manual labor and things that <clears throat> would, you know, were largely unsung. Several and in difficult industries. You probably couldn't find people today to work in the kinds of industries or the kind of work that these folks did. And they didn't say a word about it. Just happy to work. Didn't ever grumble about a pay raise or anything. They just went to work. And so you can sort of see the ripple effect of all of that is um, if we're all just head down, busy doing what needs to be done, Um, there isn't uh, the 
kind of disturbance that we see in our society today where now all of a sudden we're all encouraged to act in a fashion much like what Professor Thomas DiLorenzo described in the clip that we played in the first segment today. We all turn into Bolsheviks. We all dehumanize ourselves and one another. We caricaturize ourselves and one another. And we're miserable because we're not doing what needs to be done. We don't feel like good people when we're doing that. We don't, there's something inside of us that says, I am the problem. I am contributing to the problem. Versus, you know, Ecclesiastes 3.22, I've seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot, for who will bring him to see what will occur after him. But, you know, that's difficult, too, because speaking of Marxism in economic models, um, where is the where is the work that people can just commit themselves to and perform happily these days? We have an economic system that lends itself to monopoly, and that is not by accident at all. The planned society is not is a concept that's not by accident at all. And by planned, it means, you know, a planned society means that nothing will be left to chance. Nothing will be left untouched. So speaking of the the Mises crowd, you know, I'm reminded of Hayek's Road to Serfdom also, and he opens chapter 9 with the two quotes, Lenin from the state, and Revolution, Chapter 5, and Trotsky from The Revolution Betrayed. Um, chapter 11, Wither the Soviet Union. And uh, two quotes are, you know, Lenin first, the whole of society will have become a single office and a single factory with equality of work and equality of pay. And Trotsky from the revolution betrayed in a country where the sole employer is the state. Opposition means death by slow starvation. The old principle who does not work shall not eat has been replaced by a new one who does not obey shall not eat. I find it interesting that the folks, as I look around the folks who are successful entrepreneurs, which was kind of the way that we, you know, that was the, the backbone of America in a bygone era. People were self-employed and it wasn't even really considered self-employed or, you know, independent business owners or whatever. It's just kind of the way that things were. And there were many enticements that had to be offered originally uh, they call them golden handcuffs, for example, or a golden parachute. Um, I don't think I'd want a golden parachute. That might be crushing on impact. But, you know, the golden handcuffs is an interesting turn of phrase. Um, enticing people to do things they would not otherwise do. And then once you hit a point of critical mass, guess what? Golden handcuffs went away, didn't they? Pretty darn quick. 
And now, as um, Thomas Friedman writes, the world is flat. And we have um, all of this fancy, um, what's his name? Zero marginal cost society. Jeremy Rifkin. Yeah, we have, we have all this technology, so the world is flat. But it's not better. And the irony is the people causing the problems are, are always propagandizing you and I to, A, feel like we are the, uh, we're the villain in this story when we are not. When was the last time you or anyone you know uh, lobbied Congress for, you know, when, when was the last time you con- commissioned a study to find an island somewhere to dump the waste from your company or maybe, you know, the products that you've made, iPhones or computer monitors or printers or things like that. When was the last time you went and looked for an island somewhere on Earth to dump that stuff and then lobbied, you know, the government of your country or maybe other countries as well? To be able to do that. And secretly, when was the last time you paid millions of dollars to media outlets to tell a particular story? When was the last time you had some legislation drawn up so that it was in the drawer waiting for the next strategy of tension opportunity to do something? It's interesting. If we got back to, have you ever seen the new Yankee workshop? If we got back to that kind of thing where people knew how to do stuff and you weren't raping and pillaging the earth, you were just, you know, cutting down a tree in your own backyard to make your furniture and do these things. I mean, is that really, is that really the end of civilization as we know it? I don't think so. So those were better days. They really were. It's true. The old days were the good old days. And we are all contributing to the problem at this point, getting sucked into the Marxist uh, milieu, the conflict. Anyway, that's a bit of a rant, and uh, we're headed into a break. I'll get back on, on track in a second here when we come back. So stick around. We'll be right back after the short break. What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? 
It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Birds flying high. You know how I feel. Sun in the sky. You know how I feel Breeze drifting on by You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And I'm feeling good I'm feeling good Fish in the sea You know how I feel River running free You know how I feel Blossom on a tree You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And 
Welcome back. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, things are coalescing, and we've been warned for a long, long time. There is the literal, you know, physical, tangible stuff, but most people don't see that happening right out in plain sight. Then there's the spiritual stuff. There is a summoning, a manifesting going on that's been happening uh, behind the scenes, behind closed doors, things like that. And, you know, Revelation of the Method says that if, you, if you're going to bring this operation out into plain view, then at some point you're going to have to sort of drip, drip, drip on everybody and let people know. And that's been happening increasingly. And I feel like there's a... A hastening. Bad guys are really chomping at the bit to do their bad thing. They're long overdue. Uh, you know, you read that in places like the externalization of the hierarchy. A great and new movement is proceeding and a tremendously increased interplay and interaction is taking place. This will go on until AD 2025. During the years intervening between now and then very great changes will be seen taking place and at the great assembly of the hierarchy what what is that held usually held as usual every century in 2025 let me check my watch hold on oh yep that's coming up that's right around the corner the date in all probability will be set for the first stage of the externalization of the hierarchy the present cycle from now until that date, and this was published back in, what, 57? is called technically the stage of the forerunner. It is preparatory in nature, testing in its methods, and intended to be revelatory in its techniques and results. Do you get the sense that there is there's a lot of that that has gone on in recent years and decades, but it's kind of increasingly... In recent years, the COVID years in particular, you know, the ritualistic kind of stuff. It's interesting that Michael Flynn, the, the, the Flynn controversy about the Elizabeth Clare Prophet thing happened during the COVID shenanigans. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it, it uh, correlates directly to what I just read from the externalization of the hierarchy. Second hour coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? 
Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 